It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Were you going to clap? I didn't hear it. Really? Yeah. Have you developed some like advanced clapping technique that like you can clap and not make sound? I'm a ninja clapper. <laughs> I wonder if my mic is like dulling it because it's too loud of a sound. If there's some sort of attempt, I don't know. Maybe I've heard all the other ones. Do like do try to do a really aggressive one. I'm gonna leave all this in, by the way. I heard the first one, and then the next two. I thought I heard like a little, little like um, you know, like somebody tapping on the other side of the wall. Huh. Kind it, of a I, thing. I bet there's some sort of built-in thing in my microphone where it tries to mute loud sounds. That could be. Yeah. You hit the peak, maybe. It's going into the red. Kind of like your kind of like your sweatshirt. Red lining. My sweatshirt and my hat. Yeah. I'm all red. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um well, this is the check-in for for Monday, February twenty-first. Apparently, it's President's Day, so we'll do we'll do we'll make lots of presidential allusions. Oh, I thought you were going to say proclamations. Um, no, no, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. I guess we'll see how the scripture goes. I guess it does. We are, uh, we are both. Uh, not in the office today because it's President's Day. So I decided not to comb my hair and put a baseball cap on instead. And I'm wearing a hoodie, which you don't see me in very often on the Monday check-in. So, but it all seems reasonable, one would think. The Monday check-in, for those who don't know, uh, features um, the two people that are currently on your screen or in your ears. One of those is me. I'm Damon Jensen Heitman, uh, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska. And the other is Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And what we do on the Monday check-in, by the way, I think the last time it was like 127 subscribers. Oh, you've been checking. Oh, well, just like like when I go to switch profiles on YouTube, so that my algorithm doesn't get mixed up with the church's algorithm, um, then like it just shows you automatically how many subscribers there there are. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so what we'll do is uh, we'll have a little. We'll kind of preview some of the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming worship service, and have a little bit of a chat about that. Uh, ponder uh, where it's uh, going, where it wants to go, where it wants us to go, that sort of thing. And then we switch gears and we talk a little bit about life of First Pres Hastings. And we generally start uh, with an opening prayer. Yes, indeed. Is it my turn? I think so, yes. I'm actually, uh, in honor of President's Day, I'm going to use a book, our prayer from the Book of Common Prayer that is for leaders. Uh, so it's not directly related to what it is that we're talking about today, but uh, it's directly related to uh, what we're living through. And particularly as, as sort of the, unfortunately, the drumbeats of war are sounding over in Europe between Ukraine and Russia. 
I thought this was fitting. So let's uh, let's open it with a word of prayer. Lord, who governs us, your glory shines throughout the world. We commend our nation to your merciful care that we may live securely in peace and may be guided by your providence. We commend the world to your care that all may live securely in peace and be guided by your providence. Give all in authority the wisdom and strength to know your will and to do it. Help them remember that they are called to serve the people as lovers of truth and justice. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So for this upcoming Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, according to the liturgical calendar, is uh, Transfiguration Sunday. We're in year C, so we have the Virgin as it appears in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 9, verses 28 through 43. Silence my phone. So Transfiguration yeah, Sunday always occurs the Sunday before we start into the week of or the season of Lent, which starts on Ash Wednesday. So, you know, yeah. if you hear the transfiguration story, typically, get out, days later, get out of your sackcloth. Mardi Gras. Well, you got you to have Mardi Gras first, Fat Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then all that sinning that you did on Fat Tuesday, you repent for on Ash Wednesday, you get out your sackcloth. Damon and I will probably burn some palm fronds here early next week. Um, we almost burned off Damon's eyebrows last year doing that. It was close. Was it last year or was it two years ago? Regardless, they 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 flamed up all at once, and it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I don't think it was that close, um, but it did surprise me. Yes. <laughs> And I was the one holding the camera, and I did not have a bucket of water handy. Had Damon's beard or hair caught on fire, I would have had to push his face into the snow, although I'm not sure there was even snow on the ground. But I was very professional. No, there was, for sure. But I was very professional about it. Oh, very. Yeah. Just, no, you took it all in stride. You just kind of rolled with it. Yeah, just kept going, you know. So stay um, tuned for that, because uh, hopefully we will not reenact Damon almost burning off his eyebrows, but we will probably burn the palm fronds from last Palm Sunday, which is something we do leading up to Ash Wednesday, which we will be doing next week. And we'll probably talk about it next week as well. But uh, consider this your preview. You have been previewed. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so this is, this is from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 43. And uh, it reads, uh, it reads something like this. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. 
Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they, as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. All were astounded at the greatness of God. That's how that little story reads. So, um. What's happening? What's going on? There's a, a lot going on. Uh, right before we started hitting, or right before we hit the record button, we were talking about how this is a pretty awe-inspiring and irrational scene that takes mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. um, unreasonable. Doesn't make sense in terms of reason and ration and, and logical thought, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, uh, Charles, did, uh, Charles Dickens, a Christmas story, Christmas tale. What's Christmas that called? Carol. Christmas Carol. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it starts with like one thing you must know, otherwise nothing else will seem at all amazing, is that uh, uh, the, the Marley, his partner, has been dead for a long time, right? Um, there's a line like something like that in there, but so like, so one thing that you must know is that Moses and Elijah have been dead for a long time. <laughs> Otherwise, nothing in this tale will seem at all wonderful. Um, to well, you, but. yeah, I mean, that, that, that's helpful context because you've already got the appearance of Jesus face changing his clothes become dazzling white. That's pretty wild and miraculous to begin with and then they saw two men moses and elijah and clearly they knew that it was moses and elijah how mm -hmm. they knew we don't know and they well, appeared most, in glory sure moses was you know carrying the tablets with him do you think that's the only way that people could recognize moses you don't think like his beard would give him away or did he Everybody's have like he's got a beard did he have a scar on his face <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I, I don't know how they how they recognize Moses and Elijah. The, but they knew. Mm -hmm. And then they appeared in glory. And these three guys, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, are speaking of Jesus' departure and what he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Moses and Elijah are, of course, they're, they're two of the pillars of, of Jewish faith. Right, uh, Moses uh, and 
both had direct encounters with God of some sort, right? Um, both on a mountain, which is important to the setting as well. Moses, uh, we might remember Moses's face also shines when he encounters God on a mountain in a cloud and uh, receives the, the tablets, the law uh, to take down to the people. Elijah meets with God on Mount Horeb, I think. Um, and, he, and God speaks directly to Elijah. So, so they, uh, they, they represent this sort of, these are, these are prominent figures of the faith, right? They lend uh, credence, perhaps validity to Jesus um, that these, not everybody gets to talk like Moses and Elijah don't show up at everybody's doorstep, <laughs> you know, to just have a little, a little chat. <laughs> yeah. And if, uh, if our beloved retired literature professor Dwight Marsh was joining us on the Monday check-in today, he would talk about this being an archetypical allegorical narrative, right? You go up to a high place, you have an encounter with the divine. Damon's done a really good job of breaking down how this particular archetype has repeated itself multiple times in scripture. It happened to Moses. He went up to a high place, had an encounter with the divine, his face shone. Elijah went up to a high place, had an encounter with the divine. And so Jesus is, is following that, but Jesus has witnesses with him. Right, Peter, John, and James are here to to witness, and then also they actually have God speak directly to them, uh, which is a big deal because God doesn't speak directly to the people a lot, particularly in the New Testament. Um, yeah, a question that just occurred to me: it doesn't. Maybe, maybe Jesus is anticipating this happening. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, the text doesn't necessarily say that, right? Like, at least for these three disciples, Peter, John, and James, they go up the mountain expecting to pray with Jesus. They don't go up the mountain expecting to encounter Moses and Elijah and hear God and then enter the presence of God in a cloud and, and have God speak to them. So I don't know, like there's, it just occurred to me just now, like, did anybody see this coming? Was anybody anticipating this? Um, they were just going about their their usual business and their usual habits. It's like Jesus goes off by himself to pray a fair amount in the Gospel of Luke, at least. Um, and then this thing just just happens out of out of nowhere. They were seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah which is interesting to me. And you mentioned um, God, God speaks um, and seems to be really mostly speaking to, to these three disciples, Peter, John, and to James. Uh, and this is uh, very similar to the baptism narrative in the Gospel of Luke. The difference in my reading of commentaries this morning is that in the, in the baptism narrative, God seems to really mostly be speaking to Jesus as you are my son. Uh, and in this scene, God is speaking to everybody else. This is my son. 
um, as opposed to you are. So, so it's a more, it's a public um, pronouncement, I suppose. Yeah. And then this declaration, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. Um, and I think both of those are important parts of those. I mean, every time God speaks in the Bible, we've got to stand up and pay attention, right? Take note. Uh, but there's a economy of words here, right? This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. So it's important, I think, that we uh, we sort of think about, okay, what do each of these things mean? What do they mean for us? What do they mean for Peter, John, and James? What do they mean for us? Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, and then there's this interesting transition that I want to get to um, in a little bit. There's something else that I wanted to talk about before we got to that, though. But I don't remember what it is, so it, it, it probably doesn't matter. Oh, this this word departure, uh, also in my reading of commentaries this morning. This is not something that I just knew. Uh, so no one should be impressed by this. Uh, they, uh, they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure. That word departure uh, is exodus. Uh. <laughs> uh, which, of course, is another um, connection is particularly to the Moses uh, narrative. Um, and, and that this, so that this is Jesus' exodus. This is Jesus' Uh, he's about to accomplish his exodus at Jerusalem, uh, which is interesting uh, and might make us think and wonder, well, from what is he exiting, uh, if that's a form of that word that I can use, <laughs> right? Um, is he exiting just the earthly life? What, what is this? What kind of an exodus is this? Um, and and for whom? Is it just for Jesus? Is it for more people than Jesus? But I don't know. It's an interesting uh, textual thing that I imagine you making a slide out of. <laughs> but I won't be making any slides this week. <laughs> no, no, you won't. So, um, but then, okay, so then, you know, the, the theophany is, is another word for God speak, right? This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. Um, when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they at least didn't do any more speaking. <laughs> we don't really know if they did any more listening, uh, but they kept silent. And in those days, they told no one of any of the things that they had seen. And then the next person that talks in the narrative is someone in need of help, right? Um, which I think is interesting, right? We have this commandment, hey, listen. And the next person that speaks isn't Jesus. The next person who speaks is someone in need of help. Um, and Jesus listens to this person, which I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just think is interesting. Um, that because when you like when somebody says hey listen the thing that you hear is the next thing that gets spoken right 
before you forget to like keep listening <laughs> after a little while, right? Um, if you're in a classroom setting and say, okay, everybody listen up. Like the next thing is the really important thing. And here the next thing is, teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child <laughs> and he needs help. Um, yeah, which I think is, is interesting. Because Jesus doesn't command them to keep silent here like he does in the other versions of the story. Right. But God's voice, the theophany says, this is my son, listen to him, mm -hmm. not just listen. Yeah, yeah well, okay. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't say anything for a while. But then the, the next words out of Jesus' mouth is, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, which one of those things do you want to listen to, Greg? <laughs> well, I, I, I like where you're going in terms of the, the next spoken word is a, a cry for help. Mm -hmm. um, and Jesus responds, and he does heal the child, but he responds with some pretty strong words. Um, and we've been studying a lot of Jesus' pretty strong words for the past three weeks from the Sermon on the Plain. And that's, that's what I got thinking about when God's voice says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. What are we listening to? Uh, we're listening to what he says next, but also let's think about what he said up until this point. And if we reflect back on the Sermon on the Plain, there, there's some strong admonitions there, right? Um, and then Jesus doubles down on that. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? I mean, um, it's almost like Jesus has lost his patience at this point. Yeah, so who is that? Who is that directed towards? Well, right, because the father just said, I beg your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. So Jesus answers, you faithless and perverse generation. So is he referencing his disciples for not accomplishing this miracle? Is he referencing the father and the father's community? Who, who is this faithless and perverse generation? Um, you think he's probably talking about his disciples because he goes on to say, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Because those are the folks that, that he's around. But then could be, but there's a whole crowd of people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, right? These crowds are, are growing and apparently wearing thin on Jesus' patience. <laughs> but Jesus ultimately says, bring your son here. Yeah. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. I mean, it's, it's uh, some tough stuff here. You wouldn't be wrong, Damon, to end the reading at the end of the Transfiguration without including this miracle, because really you've got two very distinct scenes. Now, you could tie them together all in one sermon, yeah, I think they're very much connected, right? That um, well, the lectionary writers thought so too. That's why they they included this entire passage. If we look at mm -hmm. when the transfiguration story occurs in the other gospels, I, I think in the lectionary passage it, it ends at the transfiguration story, but when it occurs in Luke, they intentionally choose this additional miracle as part of the selected reading for this week because there is a connection between these two. It's just the question is who drawing out that connection 
So here's, here's the question that, that came into my mind. And the question is, what good is your mountain? Right? Um, that that the, the inspiration, if that's what we're going to call it on the, on the mountain, the revelation, the, the insight, um, the spiritual happy time, right? Um, flows into the work, right? Feeds the work that that needs to be done in the world right so like what good is your what good is your mountain right we could you know sit around and be inspired all day and it wouldn't make any difference for anybody um so that that i think is is the connection so thanks I, I like where you're going with that yeah it's sort of how do you take your mountaintop experience and do something good with it instead of it just being a mountaintop experience and you come back down from the mountain, either literal yeah. or metaphorical and get back into the daily grind of your life and all, all of the insights, all of the wisdom, all of the refreshment you gain from your mountaintop experience just goes away. Or are you able to leverage that? I, I, I like where you're going with this, Damon. I think I can, I think that'll preach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that I will also. Yeah. That's sort of sense of, yeah, and, and having those sort of mountaintop experiences, you know, is, they feel they're good, right? <laughs> so that, you know, it, um, it lifts our spirits. It, you know, does all of those sort of things. Um, and then, but that's not the, like, that's not the last chapter of the book, right? <laughs> this, um, you know, that's like, day one of vacation and what are you going to do the rest of the days <laughs> you know it's uh, uh yeah it makes me think of church camp actually uh because i think for most people church camp can be a mountaintop experience where you really have an encounter with the divine you have a profound community experience that connects you to the divine um i used to describe church camp for the campers as utopia because you go for a week you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. You're not working a summer job. And so your focus is on building community and fellowship and connecting with the divine through others and through nature and all that stuff. And so um, the question is, how, how can you take that mountaintop experience you might have at church camp or, or in other aspects of your life and translate it into your daily living? Um, I, I think you're onto something here, Damon. I think that that is a, really thoughtful way to preach the transfiguration story also interesting side note uh in the gospel of luke this is not a transfiguration story uh, uh the other gospels jesus is transfigured before them that that word shows up uh here just his face shines and his clothes are dazzling white doesn't that qualify as a transfiguration uh, the, 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 that word isn't used ah did you yeah glean that in your commentary reading or did you just know that did, yes no i didn't know it okay <laughs> but yeah yeah there in was... other stories it's and he was transfigured before them okay um and yeah the story is uh the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white but so in this Bible, it's the, the little headline above it still says the transfiguration. So, 
that's the sort of thing um, that I don't think really would preach all that well. <laughs> nope, but it's good fodder for a class on the differences between the gospels and why one gospel uses one set of language and another uses another set to tell the same story mm-hmm. or why the details differ between the telling of the stories. Right. Yeah. Or yeah, it might have, it might inform your interpretation of the text um, in, in some way, shape or form. I might even make but, a slide about it. <laughs> it would make a good slide. It'd be very interesting. You could have columns People love columns on the on slides. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> a heading. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> uh, I think it'll preach though, Greg. I think it will. Um, and okay. I look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Good deal. Uh, should we switch gears? Yeah. What's uh, what's going on in the life of the church? So uh, session, the Leadership Council of the Church met on Thursday. Uh, we, we took a look at uh, what's going on with COVID. We gave thanks to God that it appears to be receding, not just receding, but sort of dropping precipitously in our community. And so uh, we're going to continue to monitor that very closely. And generally, se- well, session meets once a month, but we're prepared to meet uh, more often than that if necessary, should the conditions change with COVID. Uh, and should we be able to, uh, you know, change our COVID safety precautions and restrictions in the church? So stay tuned for that. Um, and we're going to keep an eye on that. But again, uh, let's let's give thanks to God that hospitalizations are down, hospital capacity is up, uh, confirmed cases are down, um, and our our positivity rate is down. So all all things moving in the right direction for this. And let's just pray that continues. Um, I'm having trouble getting too hopeful about it because I've allowed myself to get hopeful twice so far during this pandemic. And both times my hope was dashed on the rocks of despair. So, um, but uh, we'll continue to monitor it and stay tuned. So as of right now, we still have a mask mandate in the church and we're still going to do our best to practice social distancing when and where we can. But other than that, everything is all systems go. Um, We have a full slate of activities on Sundays, including uh, a Tizay style worship service at 8.30 our Sunday school hour with great offerings for all ages and our 1030 traditional worship service in the sanctuary. You want to tell us what's going on with uh, the adult ed forum, Damon? Yeah. Forum right now is a two-part forum. The first was held on Sunday, the, uh, the 20th. The, the next will be on the 27th, which works out well for us uh, from a Gregorian calendar standpoint. And it's being led by uh, a couple of folks from the Encourage um, advocacy center, formerly known as uh, SASA, or SASA in town, uh, Dustin Bauer and also Kristen Eckhart are sort of are co-leading it, and it's a, a forum that we've called we're calling interrupting violence, and it is taking a look at some of the the sources of violence, um, all forms of violence, uh, particular emphasis on. Uh, I mean, I guess all violence, not us, not interpersonal violence, um, domestic violence, um, those sorts of things. And sort of taking a look at where does this, where do these patterns of behavior come from? And taking a look at what are some, some tools, uh, ways of sort of recognizing what, what violence looks like and how it affects people and what are some tools to try to, try to interrupt 
the cycle of violence in some way, shape or form. So the first part took place this past Sunday. Uh, we do have a recording of it. Uh, we cannot post that recording publicly online uh, just because the conversations deal with some, you know, some sensitive sorts of things that maybe we don't want to just post to the internet. Um, and, but if someone would like to check that out, we can, we can share that with them individually. So a person can have access to that recording. They can listen to the conversation that took place this last week, and then they can hop in uh, this coming week. Uh, likewise, we will record this coming week so that if somebody was there the first time, couldn't be there the second time, uh, they can do the follow-up uh, course as well. So that's what's happening right now. And then in two weeks time, Dan Deffenbaugh, our scholar in residence, is going to start a Lenten series that will take a look at the passion narrative. So the the Holy Week, the last uh, scripture readings and events that we take a look at during during Holy Week, Jesus' Passion and Crucifixion. And uh, Dan Duffenbaugh is using a, a book for that um, called Entering the Passion of Jesus uh, by Amy Jill Levine. We do have 10 copies of the book available in the church office. You don't need to have the book in order to participate in the forum, but I would suspect that it would enhance your participation. Uh, so we do have 10 copies available. If anybody would like to get a copy and uh, start reading ahead, you could be that student uh, who downloads the syllabus uh, a week before class and, and starts going through everything if you really wanted to. So uh, that's what the forum uh, for the next uh, few weeks looks like. So. Excellent. Um... Our Wednesday night programming is also full steam ahead. We did uh, we had a restriction on meals for a few weeks in January and early February. That restriction is gone, and so um, you if you got elementary age kids, you drop them off at four o'clock and pick them up at six forty five. They'll do um, rec time, Bible study time, choir, bell choir, and then a family style meal. If you've got youth, then drop them off at six o'clock and uh, have them join the children for the meal. And then the youth stay and do youth group from 6.45 to 7.45. Yes. And then, and then following youth group, for those that want to stay, we've got choir from 7.45 to 8.15 and bell choir from 8.15 to 8.45. A little change in the schedule with the youth. We're testing something out to see how that works. And we'll let you know how that goes. But that's, that's where it stands right now. Anything else we should be sharing with uh, our 126 subscribers? <laughs> Um, uh, nothing off the top of my head. All right. Well, should we close so, in prayer? Yeah. Loving and gracious God, help us to remember that this faith that we proclaim is both personal and public, that it uh, affects our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and that those uh, changes then sort of ripple out into the world and help us to, to not only dwell on the mountaintop, but uh, I guess to, to dwell in your name wherever we may be, whether that's on the mountaintop or somewhere else. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.